Fight Podcast, hosted by Sergio Vicente. The Fight Podcast is brought to you by Sage Eats. Sage Eats is a Chicago-based healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring company. They deliver healthy, organic, custom meals directly to your home or office. For those of you not in Chicago, Sage Eats also offers online fitness mentoring where your personal fitness mentor will send you four weeks worth of workouts that are customized to your body and your goals. Your mentor is available seven days a week to answer questions and offer support. Sign up for Sage Eats at www.sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 20% off your first three months. Now here's your host of the Fight Podcast, Sergio Vicente. Yo, 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 what's going on and welcome to episode 24 of the Fight Podcast. This is your host, as always, Serge Vicente, and yo, welcome. Uh, We're doing something a little different today, uh, but regardless, we still have an incredible episode for you. Uh, We're going to break down this weekend's surprisingly amazing UFC 222, as well as talk about some of the other amazing fights this past weekend. Remember, the Fight Podcast is brought to you each and every week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats at www.sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 20% off your first three months. Remember to follow the Fight Podcast on all social media platforms at the Fight Podcast, and follow me at Serge Vicente. And support the show by checking me out on the website, thefightpodcast.com subscribe listen rate share um it's currently on itunes and soundcloud do not forget to purchase merch today all right um i hope all is going great today um i'm gonna do something a little different uh most times i only do one episode per week and uh, I, I, I throw everything in there, the fight breakdowns, you know, what's upcoming and a little bit of everything. And I have found that there is so much each and every week to kind of dive into. And I just want to be able to give just especially these type of amazing cards like we had last night. Um, I want to give it the, the the props that it's actually due. And I want to be able to take my time and actually uh, break specific things down. And also, I want to be able to give you guys a bit more content. You know, um, I want to be, start dropping more interviews, which, you know, I have scheduled and signed up. Um, and uh, just, man, just an all around um, solid show for you guys. So uh, I'll always be trying to do the uh, fight podcast or the TFP post fight breakdowns um, on top of the regular scheduled show that we already do weekly. So boom, <laughs> um, I'm trying to get doing more. I'm committing to this and uh, I'm excited to be able to do this for you guys. All right. Um, again, man, I hope everything's going great today. It is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful Sunday morning um, here in Chicago. I'm at the studio over here sipping some coffee and uh, and eating some watermelon after my workout, and I decided to just run over here and uh, knock this podcast out before 
I started listening to everybody else's breakdowns. I didn't want to get swayed in any way. And um, I want to give you how I feel about this event um, as raw as possible. You know, I don't want to be swayed. um, And uh, I, I have realized, especially after looking at social media and a couple of other things, that I actually... I guess I look at fights differently than a lot of other other individuals, and um, I think there was actually a reason for that. So I will dive into that uh, later on the show. But um, on this episode of the Fight Podcast, we are going to go ahead and obviously break down this um, week's uh, UFC 227. I'm going to go ahead and touch on some of the uh, huge boxing matches that we also had this weekend. Um, and uh, on top of that, we're going to do our IG story poll results. Um, we have some our, our fan questions or how I, um, I like to call it. It's your time to talk uh, where we answer our, our, our listeners, you know, questions. We read the comments, current concerns, whatever the case may be. Um, I want to make sure I'm interacting with you guys and actually put this on the show. So uh, we'll be doing those for the first time this week, as well as uh, my episode 24 hot takes. So uh, um, with that being said. Let me go ahead and just jump into it. Uh, the main card was held this uh, August 4th, 2018 at the Staples Center in sunny, beautiful Los Angeles, California. Um, I'm telling you, the UFC did their thing. Um, the attendance for this uh, event was 17,794. So it was a packed house. Um, the stars were out. There was definitely a specific energy in the arena, especially for the uh, main events and co many events um people were excited people really were i mean the crowd was jumping you can hear the energy you can tell that joe rogan and daniel cormier and and the team were just like almost like yelling to um to be heard over over the crowd noise so it was a phenomenal event um the ufc one thing that i will never knock i talk trash but 100 they do an amazing job of production their production value their show the show that they put on is top notch and um the crowd was live and and they really did a great thing um, but, uh, I'm just gonna go ahead and, uh, jump into the main event. The main event was t- the, uh, current, uh, Bantamweight champion, uh, TJ Dillashaw versus, uh, the former champion Cody Garbrandt in what was a barn burner for about four and a half minutes. <laughs> it was, um, so it was an interesting fight, right? Um, I definitely, um, you know, I, I got got into a lot of my breakdowns in um, episode twenty three, um, but in this uh, in this matchup, um, TJ Dillashaw four and a half minutes into the fight ends up knocking out. Cody Garbrandt with a barrage of punches. Um, the match starts off, and this is the best way I could explain it. I think if Cody Garbrandt, Cody Garbrandt seemed as if he was prepared for, he looked like he was more prepared for last TJ Dillashaw. The TJ Dillashaw from their first event, he seemed like he was really prepared for. He was in shape. He was, you know, sitting in on, you know, and he was waiting for, um, I believe TJ's movement and, um, and, and catching him in the pocket. 
What he did not, and I think his team did not account for, is that TJ evolved. And not only did TJ evolve, he out-coded Cody Garbrandt. He made a point to not have as much movement, to stand his ground, and actually stay in the pocket. And um, with we talked about him training boxing with uh, Vasily Lomachenko, as well as uh, Joel Diaz, who is one of the best um, boxing trainers um, out there. Uh, used to train uh, Tim Bradley and a number of uh, other amazing uh, boxers and uh, championship level uh, fighters. So let me just just jump into the uh, the numbers really quick. So TJ Dillashaw, significant strikes, ended up landing 45 out of 72 significant strikes in comparison to Cody Garbrandt, 17 out of 43. Um, total strikes, TJ, 51 out of 78. Um, Cody, uh, only 17 for 43. Um, this fight took place striking. I mean, these guys didn't even entertain the grappling. Um, Cody definitely started a little bit more uh, kick heavy. I think he was utilizing it to try to get in and bait TJ to get in. But what he, I don't think he um, understood or realized was that Cody, or I'm sorry, TJ's boxing is so much more tight uh, than Cody. Every time they got into an exchange, TJ always beat him to the punch. And um, at one point in time, it was like two minutes, two and a half minutes into the, at the round. You can tell they were done feeling each other out. They've been in there. They trained with one another for a long time. They fought one another. And, um, and all of a sudden, they both uncorked two huge right hands. They connected at the same time. And you can see that it, it looked like it knocked TJ off balance a little bit, but it looked like Cody was the worst for wear. Then they had a little bit of scramble, couple, you know, kicks and knees. They're moving. The crowd is going just completely nuts because they see these guys are just going for it, right? I'm on the edge of my seat. It was incredible. The tension was so tight. Um, then before you know it, what ended up happening is Cody, I believe, gets a little overzealous. He gets caught. His ego gets checked. TJ cracks him with a huge right hand. Cody goes to try to, to, to answer back with the right hand. They make contact at the same time, but TJ's is faster, it's tighter, it's stronger. T, TJ throws three straight right hands. Boom, boom. The last one connects flush on Cody's chin. Boom, Cody collapses. TJ jumps him. And one thing, if you do not know anything about TJ Dillashaw, TJ will, if he has you hurt, he's a finisher. He doesn't play around. As soon as he sees his opponent, it is hurt. He jumps on him and he is patient. And not only is he patient, he's extremely accurate. So he's never never really over punches himself um you saw the in the finishing sequence cody collapses um jumps back up to his feet because he is in tremendous condition man i will never ever ever um not cody or alpha males conditioning they're um well schooled they're well conditioned athletes and i'm not gonna knock those dudes for any of that right 
So just in looking at that and in watching uh, the fight, he took, like I said, he took those three hard shots. He gets back up. He scrambles to his feet. And, but you can tell he, he's diminished. Um, TJ ends up cracking him with a huge right hand. And it actually is more of a forearm, right? Just this like gangster, like forearm shiver, like right in the grill. Pretty much drops uh, Cody again. He's against the cage. He's hammering him with huge right hands. Realizes that Cody is not going anywhere yet. He's hurt, but he's fighting back. He's tough as nails, man. This dude's not going anywhere. Um, Herb Dean, who was ref, and again, in my opinion, is one of the best referees in um, combat sports, period, is inching forward, looking as if he is about to go ahead and stop the match. Um, what ends up happening is that um, the match is stopped when TJ realizes what's happening. He takes a step back. He's able to take in the situation. He ends up landing a huge switch, switch knee to um, Cody's face. Cody staggers again. TJ uncorks combination right hand left hand right hand left hand right hand left hand herb dean finally comes in fights over um and and honestly so is this chapter of this rivalry uh tj dillashaw um is in my opinion one of the best fighters pound for pound um he is also after this matchup i don't think there's any doubt he is the greatest 135 pounder ever um to compete in mixed martial arts and um, he's one of the greatest fighters of all time. Um, you have to give him his. I am saying um way too much today. <laughs> but Cody, Cody also will be back. Um, I do not believe he will be back at. 135. I think Cody, being somebody that went ahead and actually made weight, he weighed in at 124. He says he can easily make 125. And if he realistically wants to get another title, it's not going to be at 135. So he should go ahead, drop the 10 pounds, go ahead and fight um, at uh, 125 if he wants another opportunity um, at a title. I said, um, again, man. <laughs> uh, but great fight um tj is incredible and i cannot wait to see what is in uh his future all right uh, moving on to the next matchup the co-main event and of course has to be some controversy henry Sukudo defeats in a split decision the, in my opinion, greatest MMA fighter of all time, Demetrius Mitomas Johnson, by split decision to win his first ever championship. And he is the second person only to Demetrius Johnson to ever win the flyweight title. So before anything else, salute to Henry Suhudo. Congratulations. This is a phenomenal accomplishment um, to beat one of the greatest fighters of all time. Salute to you. It was his day. And now he is one of the greatest combat sports fighters of all time. He is an Olympic gold medalist as well as a UFC champion. So salute to him. Now, <laughs> how did I feel about this fight? I'm going to be extremely honest with you. I don't think it was a close fight at all. I thought Demetrius Johnson won this fight four rounds to one. And I'm going to tell you why. And not only am I going to tell you why, I'm going to break down the numbers. And not only am I going to break down the numbers, I'm also going to tell you how 
ridiculous it is. And it's and how ridiculous it is how how much emphasis is well, first of all, how ridiculous judging is in MMA. It's abominable. It's an abomination. It's one of the worst things in the sport will not be mainstream. It will not grow if we do not get a hold of the judging. It's, it's just utterly ridiculous. Um, the other thing is this. People put far too much credit on wrestling and takedowns. If I am being outstruck and if I take my opponent down, I do not control my opponent. He gets right back up. That takedown should not count. It shouldn't. I didn't control my opponent. So how is it that that counts for anything? So I don't agree with that. And also, why do we not take credence into kicks? For anyone who has actually been in a fight, for anyone who is actually trained in MMA, we all know 100%. I'd rather get punched square in the face than to take a leg kick. Forget all that. So here's the thing. Let me jump into these numbers. And and I've had a couple people say some ridiculous things. And yes, I entertain trolls on IG or on Twitter. So feel free, talk trash. I will 100% entertain you uh, if I think you're probably ridiculous. So hey, so somebody told me they're like, oh, you're you know you're off base. You know, they talked about the wrestling and whatnot, and they said, you know, after I. T- told them about the numbers and the punch stats. They said, well, numbers could be skewed. What happened round to round? So check this out. Um, and these are all via fightmetrics.com. They're actually the official uh, fight metric, whatever stats for the UFC in particular. So check this out. I'm going to do this per round in just strikes, okay? Round one, strikes. I'm just going, I'm actually going to do, okay, cool. So here it goes. So significant strikes round one, Demetrius Johnson lands 21 out of 32 for 65%. Henry Cejudo, four for 29, 13%. Just off of that alone, I give that round to DJ. And and again, we're we're talking about, I'm just going to go by strikes. Round two, Demetrius Johnson is 15 for 29. Henry Cejudo is 10 for 33. That's 51% for DJ. And that's 29% for Suhudo. Okay, DJ got the better from that round as well. Round three, Demetrius Johnson lands 20. I'm, I'm going to say this again. Demetrius Johnson lands 20 of 28 shots for 71% in round three. Henry Suhudo lands 10 out of 30 shots for 33% in round three. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to the fourth round. Fourth round, and this was the closest round out of any of them, right? And this is the round um, that um, all judges gave to Henry Cejudo. Demetrius Johnson landed nine out of eighteen shots. Henry Cejudo landed nine out of nineteen shots. Okay, so um, 
that was a good round for Suhudo, and that is also the round that uh, Suhudo ended up um, taking down Mighty Mouse and uh, ended up winning the, the the largest majority of that round. So that round I even gave to uh, Suhudo. Last round. Uh, last round, um, Demetrius Johnson lands 16 out of uh, 27 shots, and Suhudo lands 16 out of 36 shots. So yes, Suhudo seemed like he was busy, but again, he was outstruck. Now, this is something else I want to because everybody wants to talk about the um, the takedowns. Henry Suhudo land is officially, according to Fight Metrics, because you have seen everybody was saying that he had five takedowns. He had five of 15 takedowns. Fight Metrics actually only has him for three takedowns, which I actually only had him really for two. But yes, that no more than that. And again, I do not believe you could win a five-round fight only by landing three three punches. Pretty, I mean, I mean, uh, landing three takedowns. So. When I also say leg kicks um, aren't judged well enough, check this out. Leg kicks per round. Demetrius Johnson lands 12 of 16 round one. Round two, six of 13. I'm sorry. Round one, Henry Suhudo didn't land any kicks. Round two, DJ, six of 13. Henry Suhudo, one of two. Round three, uh, DJ, nine of nine. Henry Sudo, one of two. Round um, round four, DJ. <laughs> Again, more of the same. Five of five. Henry Sudo, one of one. Round five, DJ, seven of, seven of eight. Um, Suhudo, one of one. And the reason I bring this up and the reason that I am so adamant about this point is because if we're talking about damage, those leg kicks do more damage than anything Henry Suhudo did the entire fight. So I judge rounds and fights based upon how much damage is done per round. I literally look at it and say, at the end of each round, who would I rather be? At the end of pretty much all but one rounds, I was like, I would rather be DJ. Now, this is another thing that I did that um, I think was different than most. Because I was extremely disappointed in the commentary when I actually watched the fight again. Because I've already watched the fight like three times. So when I went back and watched the fight, I actually listened to it with the commentary on. And yo, I was like, Daniel Cormier, I know Henry Cejudo's your friend and an Olympic teammate. But bruh, you have to be less of a fanboy and have to be less. You have to be far more objective when you are actually being a color commentator when you're on the commentary team you need to take your bias out of it okay and i know that they're being swayed by the crowd and any but it, it, and it was again it was totally ridiculous this is the other thing and again i'm gonna say this again espn bye bye, bye. <laughs> um i'm gonna say this again People were swayed after listening to the commentary. If you are listening to the commentary and all they're saying and they're talking about how great this guy is doing, you do get swayed. You're starting to look at it and be like, oh, man, yeah, he is doing a good job. Whoa, he is really he I think he's winning this round. Look, man, I showed you the numbers. Men lie, women lie, numbers don't. 
Demetrius Johnson won this fight. Go back and watch that with the sound off. And all I see is one man honestly fighting almost a more strategic fight. Sticking and moving, not taking any damage. When he was, once he was on the ground, and, and, and when I give Suhudo the credit for the one big takedown that he had that I believe was in the fourth round, I give him that. But all he did was lay on him. And even Demetrius Johnson post-fight said, once he had me down, I felt he wasn't trying to pass. He wasn't trying to, all he was trying to do to, is to was hold. So in here, I'm actually going to bring this up as well. And I'm glad I actually, I actually said that. We're looking at um, clinch work, right? Or passing, significant distance, clinch, ground. So check this out. Passing, Henry Suhudo only passed. Demetrius Johnson, so we, 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 everyone talks about the takedowns and stuff. He only passed his guard twice. So not only did he not do any damage on top, he didn't even try to change position to, be, to create a more dominant space. How can I give this man the fight? How can I? It, it, it does not make sense. Um, look, again, I'll say it again. All credit to Henry Tudor. He's an amazing champion. I'll give him that. He, he's, he's incredible. But to beat the champion, you actually have to beat him now the biggest problem with this i truly believe is in what i call is just demetrius johnson a mighty mouse fatigue i think people are so we're, we're it's almost like we're tired of it we're, we're tired everyone's like uh he, he's gonna win you expect it's almost like what happened with anderson Silva and george st pierre they're they've been so dominant for so long you're almost not impressed in any little thing that anybody does, you get excited about. So I think this was a case of a little bit of uh, Demetrius Johnson, you know, championship fatigue. Being swayed by uh, the crowd noise because of the D D DJ fatigue and incompetent judging. So this was a terrible um, call. I think this honestly is one of the worst decisions in UFC history because they literally stopped history from continue going. You stole a championship from a man who should be having his 12th belt in a row and then in turn will turn around and fight TJ Dillashaw and continue building his legacy. So it, that there's that. Um, Salute to, um, again, DJ. He handled the loss like a champion. He ended up tearing his LCL this match in the second round, as well as breaking his foot. So to get through that, finish the fight, still, in my opinion, win the fight, um, and, and then handle it with class. He, he's one of the best of the best, one of the greatest of all time. So uh, salute to DJ uh, in that. Um, the... Next fight on the card <laughs> was uh, Cub Swanson, Killer, Killer Cub, uh, fighting out of L.A., um, fighting against uh, Renato uh, Moishano. Um, great fight, uh, great round. Uh, Moishano ends up getting the first round finish by rear naked choke. Congratulations to him. Um, he ended up dropping 
Cub Swanson with a beautiful, beautiful uh, jab. Cub collapsed, and the moment that uh, he had Cub hurt, jumped on it. Uh, beautiful job. So um, much credit to uh, Moishiano. He was ranked number 10. He called out Cub, who was ranked number five. So obviously, he's going to go ahead and uh, jump up. Um, I would love to see him in the future fighting again. Some of those killers at uh, 145 pounds. So um, I can't wait. Uh, it was a great, great, great uh, uh, performance by uh, Moishiano. The next fight on the car was uh, the Brazilian phenom, I guess, uh, Plana Viana versus J.J. Aldridge. There are two strawweights, and J.J. Aldridge ended up winning in a unanimous decision. So, <laughs> I'm going to say this, and don't take this the wrong way. You're a professional fighter. Congratulations. You know, I've never fought for the UFC. It, it, I can't talk trash, but I will say this. You diminish the quality of a pay-per-view when you put unseasoned fighters on the pay-per-view card. This was one of the worst fights that I've ever seen. Um, these were in on a pay-per-view card. This should this fight 100% should have been on the uh, fight pass prelims. You cannot put two unranked, unranked strawweights who no one has ever heard of in the middle of a pay-per-view card and expect people to care. Terrible choice. People were bored. And thank goodness for the rest of the card because in uh, the fights that uh, came after that afterwards, because if it was just this and like the main event, the card would have been doo-doo. So congrats to Aldridge. Um, I hope the UFC does a better job. Let these women get better. Let them develop because the skill level of these two was a very remedial level. Look, man, next week we have uh, Jay um, Kovacavich, who is phenomenal and a former title challenger, uh, fighting uh, Jessica Andrade. Those are the fights. Those two women are incredibly skilled. They're at the top of the division. They have both fought for titles. They're going to fight for titles again because they are that good. You put women like that. You put fighters, not just women. You put fighters like that on pay-per-views, not these two. They should be on a fight past prelims. Let them get themselves better. Let them build themselves up. Let them get some solid wins. And if they start beating world-class fighters, then and only then you can move up from the fight past prelims to the uh, the free undercard and then eventually to um, a pay-per-view card. So that was kind of trash. Uh, the last fight I want to bring up was... Surprisingly entertaining. Tiago Santos um, ended up defeating a in a third round decision against uh, Kevin Holland. Kevin Holland is a uh, a contender series winner. Dana White contender series. He won this year. And you know what, man? This kid has a lot of uh, potential. I personally think he plays around too much. And when he had uh, Tiago Santos in some precarious situations, I think that he was flapping his gums a bit too much as opposed to actually just going in there and doing work. He 
threatened really, really hard in the first round with an arm bar that was in there and really, really tight. Thiago Santos is just a beast, man. Very, very strong. Um, and uh, and Kevin Holland, honestly, honestly, I believe will be better suited to fight at 170 pounds. He'll be long, he'll be strong, and uh, that'll be the best bet for him. So um, Thiago Santos uh, ends up winning. Congratulations to him. And all in all, man, it was an amazing, amazing card. UFC, uh, congratulations. Uh, LA showed out. It was a beautiful event. TJ Dillashaw, salute to you, sir. Um, Henry Cejudo, even though I talk trash and I do not believe you, you deserve the victory salute to you dj demetrius johnson salute to you remember this is the fight podcast and we are brought to you each and every week by sage eats sage eats offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring sign up for sage eats at sageeatschicago.com apply promo code fight for 20 percent off of your first three months remember to follow the fight podcast on all social media platforms at the fight podcast and follow me at serge vicente support the show by checking us out on the website thefightpodcast.com subscribe listen rate share we're currently on itunes and soundcloud and do not forget to purchase merch today okay this weekend's big winners okay and i'm gonna do this after each uh uh breakdown because i want to bring this up and i want to say who really stood out during the weekend and first and foremost i have to show love and my first big winner of the week goes to the man, the myth, the legend, the team alpha male killer. I'm not talking about Dominic Cruz. I am talking about the champ. My number three pound for pound fighter in the world, TJ Killershaw Dillashaw. Man, for this dude to go out here, deal with all the nonsense, the drama and the the stuff with Team Alpha Male with the on again and off again. I'm going to fight Demetrius Johnson. I'm not going to fight Demetrius Johnson. Fans not giving him love, booing him, talking trash, all the nonsense. For him to go out there, to know himself, to know what he wants, to leave a solid team and to follow a coach that he believes is going to elevate his game, to take then that coach and open up his own gym and bring other fighters, trainers, teammates, and things to pretty much help him become the greatest of all time, you have to give that dude love. He went out there and ran through Cody Garbrandt and Let's not forget, and I really believe people have such a short-term memory, we forget how great Cody Garbrandt is. Cody's the man. Cody does a phenomenal job of just knocking dudes completely dead. And what did TJ do? TJ went in there, beat this man at his own game. TJ went out there, stood in the pocket, drew a line in the sand and said, come on, come on, dude. This is what you do. This is what you're good at. Yo, there is no more school bull, schoolyard stuff than that. 
He literally drew a line in the middle of the sand and said, let's go. So for to, to do what he did twice to Cody, without a shadow of a doubt, this man is the best at 135 pounds ever. Um, I would like to see him get that rematch with Dominic Cruz next. I think he runs through him. Um, by that point in time, I believe Demetrius Johnson will be the champion at Flyweight once again. And then you make that fight. Two champions who got the boo-boo end of a deal. And let's not forget, even though TJ's a champ now, he, and I believe a lot of us at this point in time couldn't really could agree, TJ Dillashaw beat Dominic Cruz when they fought for the, uh, the 135-pound title three years ago. And he lost. He had to come back, fight number one contenders, and he got the shot again. He won it, and he shows why he's great. I see Demetrius Johnson doing the exact same thing. So first winner of the weekend, obviously, TJ Dillashaw. Congrats to him. Henry Cejudo is number two. Look, I've talked trash. I said that I don't believe he is the best. I don't believe he won the fight. But regardless on how I feel, he went out there. He performed. He stuck to his game plan. And he was able to figure out a way to get a win. Congratulations, Henry Cejudo. Yo, you are the 125 pound champion. You are the flyweight champ. You were able to beat the greatest fighter of all time. Now it is up to the UFC and his team to market him and push him the right way. He has the opportunity to be a superstar. Olympic gold medalist, great smile, speaks well. He's enough of a cornball that mainstream media and regular, you know, people might probably gonna like him. He he's safe. You know what I mean? He's safe. Doesn't come off as a butthead. He's very, you know, rah rah America type of guy. So you can sell that. He's he's bilingual, all that good stuff. Um, so congratulations to him. He is obviously a winner in this weekend. My next winner of the weekend was Hanato Moshiano. Hanato goes out there and beats um Cub Swanson, who is honestly one of the best to do it. Um, if we go back in time after uh, Cub's career is said and done, we're going to say, dang, man, he was in there with some of the best of the best and really did compete. Jose Aldo, Frankie Edgar, you know what I'm saying? I mean, the list goes on and on. Granted, Max Holloway, he didn't beat all these guys, or actually any of the guys that I named, but still he was in there. And for the longest time, he was the best guy at 145 pounds, blasting people away. So we can't forget how great he was. But Hanato Moshiano got a uh, submission bonus of the night, got an extra 50 G's on top of whatever he makes. Uh, so he obviously and now he has an opportunity to fight some of the best and really make his move to end up being one of the best guys at 145 pounds and eventually fighting for that chip. So that was it. So um, boxing, I'm jumping into boxing now. I've been talking a lot about MMA. Elder Alvarez, uh, who is the uh, undefeated light heavyweight, was in his first title defense, uh, or his first not title defense, his first title fight. This man is 34 years old, and this is his first title fight um, in his career. He's 24-0, and he had to fight Sergey the Crusher Kolev. And for all of us who know Sergey Kovalev is one of the greatest um, boxers of this era. Scary, 
knocks people out, um, took Andre Ward, who is one of the greatest fighters of this era as well, to the brink. And uh, people, you know, thought he was probably going to go ahead and walk through Elder Alvarez. But that's the reason why we play the games, right? And uh, Elder Alvarez, who has not lost, check this out, has not lost since he, in 2008, I believe, lost in the Olympics to now he's a coach and a gym owner, Tony Jeffries. He hasn't lost since then. So the Colombian goes out here and KOs Andre Kovalev in the seventh round by dropping them devastating three times. Congratulations to him. Um, this dude has an amazing story. First time he gets his title shot, he's 34 years old. He has been the mandatory challenger for uh, champion Adana Stevenson for the last two years and hasn't gotten his fight. Now that he has a belt, I hope he gets his shot. So salute to that man. Congratulations. He's definitely one of my big weekend's winners. And last uh, weekend winner has to go to the man, uh, my my Haitian brethren, Sakbase to Andre Berto, who goes ahead and wins a split decision against the tough, always tough, grizzled veteran, uh, Devin Alexander, to improve his record to 32 and 5. I don't know what's next for uh, Berto, but I love that he's still fighting top quality opponents and really doing work. So salute to that, man. You're listening to the Fight Podcast and uh, man, I'm Serge Vicente. So moving on, um, we have our IG story polls. I'm still going to try to push these out every episode. And the question that I asked last night, I posted it as soon as the show was over or the, the fight was over, and I asked, do you believe that Demetrius Johnson lost his belt or was he robbed? 72.6% of my listeners believe that Demetrius Johnson actually won the fight. Look, they didn't even have to go through my soliloquy of uh, uh, stats, and they knew. It's the eyeball test, man. You look, we see who looks beat up. We see whose face is lumpy and is cut and is bleeding. I can see this. The normal fan sees this. We know who won that fight. It's the exact same thing that happened when Yoel Romero fought Robert Wigertaker a couple weeks or a couple about a month and a half ago here in Chicago. We all know Yoel Romero won that fight. He won the fight. So again, and here's another thing I'm going to bring up really quick. Is it, I the argument I got from a lot of people when I said Yoel Romero won? The argument was, oh, but he was outstruck, right? Okay, so if that's the same logic that we're using, he was outstruck. If that's the case, Demetrius Johnson runs away with his fight with Henry Cejudo. Just saying. Obviously, I'm still hot about that. I just don't like people taking advantage of people, man, and then judging, stopping greatness. I hate that. So, yes, my listeners said 72.6% uh, said uh, they believe um, Demetrius Johnson should have retained his title for his 12th title defense. All right. Um, 
this is a new uh, portion of the show. It is called Your Turn to Talk. Um, this is where I'm going to answer any questions, comments, or concerns. You can show us love. You can talk trash to me. Whatever it is, I want you to do it. So, uh, first and foremost, we finally have a question. This is we first started to do this. So, it comes from Justin out of New York City. Justin, appreciate you listening to the, to the uh, Fight Podcast. And his question, it seems like, is a couple parter. What does it say? It says, is the UFC selling out by only selling money fights? Are they depending on blockbusters and sp- are they spreading themselves too thin? Or is there so much good competition that they have no other options? All right. So that's a lot. So the UFC is selling out by trying to do just money fights. And I believe that it's been showing. If we look at it, numbers are dropping and everything's happened. Now, I do not believe that it's because they're they're just depending on blockbusters. The issue is they are not taking the time to develop and grow superstars. They had look what they're doing. They're reaching out of their bag, making sure paying for all the Connors nonsense, giving him a slap on the wrist just to get him back in the fold. They're calling in Brock Lesnar to get him back in the fold, as opposed to looking what they have right in front of them. It the, the UFC has at this point in time more talent than they have ever had. Their roster is full of like 500 athletes and honestly, 400 of them are just absolute killers. There is this sport is grown faster than any other sport has ever grown. And it is strictly to the point in time that we have the potential to have more stars. Just plain and simple. Look at um, uh, Bohachina, who's going to go ahead and fight your Romero. Why would you do that? Why are you going to give him to that guy? Build this man up. And yes, I will say I do believe the UFC is spreading themselves too thin. I think they're trying to do like a fight a week, which doesn't make sense. They should drop it down. They should do one big pay-per-view per month. And then do like a fight night. If they did it that way, I think people, one, it would be more excited about the fights. And then you can have the potential to have more blockbuster fights because you've developed more stars. Once they realize they have this plethora of of amazing athletes and stars, impossibles. Look, they just signed Juan Adams from the Contender Series. He has star written all over him. He's huge. He's skillful. And he, and he talks a great game. Sugar Shane O'Malley, same thing. Extremely skillful. He talks a great game. Israel Adesanya, same thing. Bohachina, same. Dude, we have stars. So the fact that the UFC is not making them is the problem so i I think more than anything else uh, um that's what that is but uh but yeah that's the only way that they're spreading themselves too thin i I think they're not utilizing 
the good competition they do have. With the competition that they have, they can put on amazing fight cards literally every week. All right. Um, hope I answered that for you. Our next question was, does wrestling become the only background from champions? Is wrestling the only background champions come from? Hell no. Emphatically no. In fact, only 11. Ch- okay, so the UFC currently has 11 champions. Um, and I will say this. I think, and I'll, I'll get into this in a second, but let me finish this. So I was going to say. Uh, the UFC has 11 champions that are UFC, currently in the UFC. I think only three of them are collegiate wrestlers, big-time collegiate wrestlers. Dan Cormier, now Henry Cejudo, Ty- uh, Tyron Woodley. That's it. The rest of them pretty much come from striking backgrounds. So I think that it was something that in the past um, was extremely important. But now, look, you have champions and people coming up in the sport like Max Holloway, who's a 145-pound champion. These are guys and girls who have grown up with the sport. Dude, think about it. UFC came, what, 96, 93? Man, most of these people, were the guys who were even competing aren't, weren't even alive when those first UFCs happened. So they've always known about this sport. So there are more well-rounded individuals. Now, if someone has extremely high-level wrestling, for instance, like a Henry Cejudo, does it help? Absolutely. Wrestling is a great tool to have, and everybody needs to have great wrestling. But um, is it the only or the most important trait for uh, fighters? I don't believe so. I don't believe so. Um, To be honest with you, me and yes, I'm a striking guy, but I think incredible striking and better takedown defense is almost more important. But honestly, the most important thing is know yourself and know the game and know your game specifically because Darren Till, who's going to fight Tyron Woodley, only half for the 170 pound belt, only has one way to win. He knows he's not going to out-wrestle him, so he's going to try to do what he can do to outstrike him. Everyone has to just kind of play to their strengths, but you, all the guys now are just so well-rounded. I think the wrestling-heavy, you know, wrestling champion, collegiate guys, I think that's few and far between now. But it is still an extremely important skill to have. Boom! <laughs> there it is, man. That's the first time uh, doing our Your Turn to Talk. I appreciate um, everyone who uh, submitted questions. Please continue submitting questions, and I will continue answering them right here. All right. Uh, rounding it out, man. Weekend hot takes. So, uh, watching this post-fight stuff, and, and I had a real issue with this, man. I'm not going to lie. Watching the pre and post-fight stuff, and this is why I want to get this episode out as quickly as possible before I really dove in and started watching the breakdowns and things like that. I want to give my own breakdown before I really listen to the other stuff. I didn't want to be swayed in any way, uh, shape or form, because one thing I realized is that, yo, man, people need to have a backbone. People need to go out there and actually stick with their convictions. If you don't believe, can I know for a fact Rashad Evans, Karen Bryant, um, and uh, whoever the uh, Jimmy Smith they sat up there at the post-fight presser, and and look, I understand you gotta pat you know the the guys who won in the back, 
but acknowledge the fact that dude lost. Show the numbers. I'm just some dude. I'm some dude who's going to be somebody. And you know what I'm saying? I'm doing my thing, but I'm just a guy. I have the numbers. I was able to pull the numbers up directly after the fight. Why didn't they do that? Why won't they objectively break these fights down? And it's been an issue, man. I watched them do it. I watched MMA fighting do it and talk about it. Hey, you know, and Luke Thomas is incredible. I love Luke Thomas. But one thing that he goes out there, and honestly, and I'm going to say the same thing, Karen Bryant, all those people at uh, the UFC, I I think they're incredible also. But I think they get too corporate from time to time, and it's annoying as hell. Do you know what I mean? So... It's disappointing. I think people need to stand on their convictions. And actually, I want somebody that isn't just going to go with the status quo. Say what you really feel. Do not be a prisoner of the moment. And I think a lot of times these analysts are prisoner of moments. Oh, the crowd is going nuts. Oh, man. Look, he beat the, 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 the longest reigning champion. Oh, we get so caught up in this nonsense. We're not looking at it black and white. I literally watched the fight with no sound and it was as plain as day. Go back. Do that. Holla at me. Second hot take. I feel like this is a hot take every every fight card. The judging is a consistent problem and it needs to be addressed. You're messing with people's money. You're messing with people's legacy. There are win bonuses, man. If people have a win bonus and they're actually robbed from a fight... You're taking food out of these people's mouths. I don't appreciate that. I don't appreciate somebody who can take a a weekend course, (laughs) you know, and then can call professional fights and has never actually been in a, a fight in his life. He's never been in there, man. I've said it once. I've said it a million times. Former fighters. People who are, you know, top media people, Ariel Hawani types, uh, Luke Thomas, people like that. Coaches, Mike Browns of the world, um, uh, the uh, Greg Jacksons and Mike Winkle. Those are the people that need to go ahead and actually judge these fights until that happens. And honestly, it's not going to change until the fighters actually get like a union or something. But until that happens, the sport will not grow. People will say, hey, judging, it's a part of the sport. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. We need to figure out a way to take this awful judging out of the sport, man. It's crap. And um, to be honest with you, until this is addressed... Man, people aren't going to take combat sports seriously. I'm being very honest with you. All right, guys. Well, hey, um, I'm man, I, I, I don't have anything else to talk about. <laughs> uh, th- this is uh, my episode for, for the day, man. Um, thank you so much for tuning into the fight podcast. Um, we will be doing the fight breakdowns every weekend. And we also have uh, another show. We have another exclusive interview coming up for you this weekend. I cannot wait uh, for you guys to see who it is. Um, 
This is Serge Vicente, and thank you so much for joining me on episode 24 of the Fight Podcast. The Fight Podcast is brought to you each and every week uh, by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 20% off your first three months. Remember to follow the Fight Podcast on all social media platforms at the Fight Podcast and follow me at Serge Vicente. Support the show by checking us out at uh, at uh, www.thefightpodcast.com. Purchase merch today, and thank you so so much for listening. Please continue submitting questions. Please continue um, participating in our in our IG poll results. And uh, salute to all you guys. Uh, have a great week, and we'll be talking to you next time here on the Fight Podcast. Boom.